Welcome to the Gather Houston podcast. We are a Christian community practicing the way of Jesus in all parts of life and for the good of all people. Thank you for joining us today. So today we are continuing our five-part conversation on our gospel proclamation and, and what it means to really live into this identity as a people who are created, loved, rescued, forgiven, and free. And I told you a couple weeks ago, the first week of this conversation, that I wanted that to get stuck in your head, created, loved, rescued, forgiven, and free. I want it to mark you like riding a bike, like your secret handshake in seventh grade, like your first home phone number. I want it to get stuck in your mind, created, loved, rescued, forgiven, and free. And last week, Andre taught about what it means to live into our identities as loved by God, period. And today we're going to have a conversation about being rescued and really the next three weeks today and, and the two weeks afterwards about being rescued, forgiven, and free. That is all about our salvation, about what it means to be saved. And, and even just that term might be kind of triggering for you. And I totally understand right, what it means to be saved by God. Maybe you have asked someone in your life, hey, are you saved? Or maybe you walk down an aisle and you told some preacher in a suit, I would like to be saved. But the next three weeks are all about what our salvation is about. And so if you have questions, if you're trying to clarify some of that, I think the, this is a great place to start. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about things like atonement theories. We're going to talk about sin. Uh, we're going to talk about salvation, not biblical salvation, not necessarily being all that much about heaven or hell. But not today. Today is kind of an intro to all of this about being rescued. The next couple of weeks, we're going to get into some uh, dense content. And I know you are pumped, but not today. This is an intro uh, to God's salvation, to divine rescue. All right, this is an intro. So let me give you a little bit of context on this rescued language and, and how we get it in the Bible. So the biblical idea of rescue most often comes from the story of the Exodus. Right? God's people, the Israelites, they're enslaved and oppressed uh, by the Egyptians, by the Pharaoh in Egypt. Right? You may know the song, Pharaoh, Pharaoh. Oh, oh, let my people go. Yes. Okay, so that's not in my notes. I shouldn't say it, but I did it anyway. Um, so God's people, the Israelites, they're in, enslaved and oppressed uh, by the Egyptians and, and they begin to grow in number, the Israelites. There's more and more of them. And the Pharaoh gets, uh, he gets worried. He gets insecure about how many Israelites there are. And so um, not only is he already enslaving them and oppressing them, he decides that all the firstborn Israelite boys should be killed in the Nile River. So it's getting, it's bad and it's getting way worse. And God's people start to cry out for help. And then God shows up to Moses in the form of a burning bush. I'm guessing you've at least heard some of that story. There's a, a burning bush and God speaks through it to Moses. And he says in Exodus chapter three, verse eight, I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. So God tells Moses the plan. I have come to rescue my people. I'm going to pull them up. Right? God's plan is to rescue his people and then God does it. Right? Through a series of escalating plagues against the Egyptian people and then eventually uh, God leads his people with a pillar, of, uh, a pillar of smoke during the day and a pillar of fire during the night. 
And God's people are headed straight towards the Red Sea. And in this climactic moment, the Red Sea splits and the Israelites are led through this tunnel where the water is split. And as Pharaoh's army chases after them, the water crashes over and God's people are saved. They are rescued. They are pulled out of this situation. Right? God's plan is to rescue them. God does it. He shows up and he rescues his people. God's people needed a rescue and God shows up. And then when Jesus comes, God's people are once again in need of a rescue. They are in, oppressed in their own land by a foreign government. And Jesus shows up as a new Moses. He gives a new law and he shows a new way of leadership. And it's not divine violence that offers a rescue here. It's not divine violence. There are no plagues and there are no armies. It's not divine violence that rescues the people of God. It's divine love displayed on the cross. And listen, we say it every week that we are rescued by God, that through the love of God, this is what we mean when we say rescued, that by the love of God, that you and I are pulled out, just like God says he's going to do for the Israelites in Egypt, that we are pulled up and out of situations, circumstances, and stories that we could not otherwise free ourselves from. You and I are pulled up and pulled out of situations, circumstances, and stories that we could not otherwise free ourselves from. We are rescued by God. But the problem for many of us is that this idea of divine salvation, of divine rescue, that it has been largely co-opted and corrupted in a couple different ways. That for some of us, when we think of being saved or being rescued by God, the divine rescue, we immediately just think heaven and hell. But I don't think that's the rescue you need today. I think you got a lot more going on. In Colossians chapter one, Paul talks about rescue like this. Paul says, for God has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Listen, there is nothing future oriented about this divine rescue that Paul describes. God has already rescued us. We are rescued. Not we will be rescued. God has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. This is right now. God is rescuing us right now from darkness and bringing us in to a kingdom of love right now. This divine rescue isn't primarily about heaven or hell. So for some of us, we struggle with, with this idea of divine rescue because we've just thought of it as this afterlife thing that we're not so sure about anyway, which is okay. And then for some of us, we struggle with this idea of divine rescue because it's automatically been paired with a conversation about our deservedness or our worthiness. That, that people have paired this conversation with needing a rescue with how terrible and rotten we are. Right? People have immediately said, well, don't you know that from the moment you're born, you're sinful and evil, and that's why God needs to rescue you. But I, I, don't, think, um, I, I don't think being rescued by God speaks to the paradigm of deserving or undeserving. I don't think it speaks at all to the paradigm of worthy or unworthy. I think it is so much larger than that. Divine rescue reminds us, it tells us that God loves us. It doesn't speak so much to our character as it does to the character of God. And listen, there, there are plenty of critiques I have about eternal conscious torment and original sin. But the truth is, regardless of whether you are um, 
you struggle with this idea of rescue because it, it connotates this idea of hell for you or, or, or original sin, and you don't know how to deal with those kinds of things. Regardless of those critiques, the truth is that we all need to be rescued. We all need rescue. We all, at different moments, at different times, we all need to be pulled up and out of situations, circumstances, and stories. There are times that we cannot free ourselves from the story we are living. There are moments when we are stuck in a circumstance that we do not even know. Paul talks about this dominion of darkness, that God has rescued us from a dominion of darkness. And the truth is, sometimes we don't even know we're living in the darkness until someone switches on the light. There are moments where all of us, not because of our worthiness or deservedness or how good or bad we are. All of us need to be rescued by God. We all need divine rescue. And if we want to live rescued, if we want to live into this identity as a rescued people, then first we have to acknowledge that we actually need the rescue. That we actually do need divine rescue. And after we are willing to acknowledge that, then it's time for us to start identifying that part of our life, that circumstance, that story that we need rescuing from, right? We acknowledge and then we identify. And then in, in my life, I, I, had, I have kind of a series of stories that I tell myself, that I live into, that I need rescuing from. Uh, there are lies about my identity, about my work in the world, about my place in the world, about my way of being that I tell myself and that I listen to from others that I need rescuing from. It feels like at times they just run on a loop. Right? I need, I have needed, I do need, I will need divine rescue from them. Some of you know this, but I come from a family of pastors. Uh, my dad was a pastor. My grandfather was a pastor uncles, cousins. We are, we were a church family. And uh, for a while, that seemed really idyllic to me. Uh, kind of weird, of course, at times when other people came to our family events, but uh, it felt noble in some way that we were all serving God in this way. But piece by piece and moment by moment, that idealism was peeled back. And what I found in my own house and in my own family was a lot of hypocrisy and a lot of lies and a lot of abuse. And of course, of course, just to be clear, of course, I have wonderful, faithful men in my family who have served the church in beautiful ways. But also it turns out that there are a few pieces of work in my family. And kind of all at once, my family blew up and the way I thought about our family and the way I thought about our family's place in the church, all of that kind of blew up all at once. And it blew up a, really about, about five years ago, exactly. There was a dominion of darkness that I didn't know I was living in until someone switched on the light. But I have this story I tell myself about all of that. And the story I tell myself is that I can fix it. I tell myself that I can fix my family's legacy that I can make it better, that I can fix my family, that I can fix the relationships, that I can fix the churches. That if I, sp if I speak up enough about this kind of stuff, that if I help get en enough people counseling, then that'll fix it. 
and I look out at the global church, the hypocrisy, the financial and sexual abuse, the racism and the homophobia, and my little brain says, I bet you could fix it. That's a lie I tell myself. It's a story I live into about my identity and my work in the world that I can fix all the broken things. And my journey with God over the last few years has been this consistent, quiet whisper speaking over me. It's not yours to fix. Welcome to the kingdom of love. It is not yours to fix. That's my divine rescue. That over and over again, God pulls me up and out of this story that I tell myself, this pattern, this way of being, that living rescued for me often means not having to be the rescuer. Listen, everyone needs to be rescued. Everyone needs to be pulled out and up of these circumstances or situations that they cannot get themselves out of. Sometimes we've been in the darkness for so long, we don't even know that the light is off. And so for you, are you able to acknowledge your need for rescue? And I I know that 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 may come with a lot of baggage for you about uh, heaven and hell or about your worthiness or sinfulness or whatever. But are you able to acknowledge that there are moments, there are times, there are places in your life that you need to be pulled out of? Are you willing and able to acknowledge that? And then what would it look like for you to identify a part of your life that needs rescuing? Right, if we can acknowledge that we need the rescue, maybe you could identify where it needs to happen. Right? Maybe um, it's really clear for you that you have a relationship, you have a situation. It just jumps right out. You say, that is clearly the place that I need to be pulled out of. But maybe you need to speak with a close friend or a pastor or a therapist and they can help point out to you the parts of you that are binding you up. Right, well, I wonder what it would look like to identify. And then what does living rescued mean for you? This is a part of our identity. How do we live into it? And maybe it's just a reminder. Maybe if you hear nothing else, just be reminded today that you are not alone. You are not alone. There is a kingdom of love that you belong to. And that something, someone... Everyone is seeking your rescue. You are being pulled up and out. You are not alone. Everyone needs divine rescue. And the good news is that we are rescued by God. I don't know if you've ever, uh, it's summertime. I don't know if you've ever been a uh, summer lifeguard. Uh, Maybe about 14 or 15 years ago, I filled in as a lifeguard on occasion at the Meadowbrook Country Club in Kilgore, Texas. Uh, I hope that you were not in the pool in those moments because it was not safe. I took an online course. Uh, But if you've ever been a lifeguard or if you've ever been in the unfortunate situation of needing help from a lifeguard, you may know this. That if a lifeguard needs to do a water rescue, if they're not able to reach from a safe place and help someone, if they're not able to throw a buoy or or, or a flotation device to someone, if they actually have to get in the water to pull someone out, when they get to them, what they'll probably do is start yelling at them to calm down. They're going to tell them, they're going to tell the person who's drowning that they need to stop moving and flailing so much. The, the problem with that is that when you are drowning, it is very counterintuitive to stop moving. <laughs> 
but putting down your arms, stopping the resistance, calming yourself is the only way that you'll actually be rescued. Listen, if we want to live rescued, then of course we have to acknowledge that we actually need it. And of course it would be helpful if we could identify those points in our life that we could use some rescuing. But most importantly, when the help comes, when the rescuer arrives, we need to actually accept the help. And when the rescue comes, when you are drowning, when you are engulfed in the dominion of darkness, I know it seems counterintuitive to stop moving, to stop resisting. I know it feels counterintuitive to stop your flailing. But it is the only way that you can be rescued. And listen, the universe, ultimate reality, everything everywhere is conspiring for your rescue. And your rescue might look like straight up divine intervention. But your rescue might also look like a friend finally telling you the truth. It might look like a moment in worship. It might look like you being reminded that you can trust yourself. It might be the feeling you get when you make a brave decision. The whole universe. God, ultimate reality, the world you live in, everything is conspiring for your rescue. So drop your arms, stop resisting, and accept the rescue of God. Gather, this is my prayer for us today. Accept the reality that you need to be rescued. Not because you are weak or unworthy or bad, but because you are human and you are loved. Rejoice in the good news that there is a rescuer and that you are the rescued. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you're interested in Gather, check out our website at gatherhouston.org or visit us on Sunday at 10 a.m.